Portions of this program have been brought to you by Monarch Brand Premium Liquid Butter Alternative, Adidas Sportswear, and the hard-working staff at UltimateGuitar.com. My Sexy Feet A Story by Sky Odsley April 2021 Yesterday I decided I needed more socks, but I always have a hard time buying anything for myself. Despite my mother sending me socks every Christmas, I'm super particular about anything I wear and only ever use the socks she sends me when I dress up for an event, which is about once every 10 years. I mainly wear black now because it takes the thought out of putting on clothes. So when I arrived at a shitty department store in my neighborhood and found black Adidas socks on clearance, for the first time in a long, long time, I didn't even hesitate to purchase them. In fact, I bought 12 pair. Adidas makes really great socks. They're comfortable and they stay in place on your foot and don't do that annoying slide down thing. I couldn't believe what I was doing as I stood in line at the checkout. I'd woken up wanting something and I'd gone and found it and now it was about to be mine. It was a great feeling. It's too bad feelings like that can't last. I brought them home and tossed them in the laundry and spent the rest of the evening thumbing a guitar and getting wasted by myself, which is mainly what I've been up to lately. And today, as in right now as I write this, I finally took the socks out of the dryer and tried them on. where to begin. The store I bought them from was one of those discount places that feels more like a thrift store than an actual store. You know, the kind of place real stores send their outdated crap to. The kind of place where you can buy a $12 frying pan or 50 $12 frying pans. A place where sunglasses and shampoo mingle on the same shelf. A market for bath mats and Himalayan salt grinders, for cheap luggage and Himalayan salt lamps. It's the only kind of place I'd ever buy anything without remorse because everything is really cheap except for the furniture and bedding. And luckily my new lifestyle doesn't require those things anymore. I pass out clothed on a made bed almost every night nowadays. And I don't have any need for furniture, because I now live in a small bedroom in a house some responsible adults I know own. That's right, I live like a college student. Or, better put, a preschool student. Although a kid's room would probably have more pizzazz than my four 
bare white walls. The tiny bedroom I now call home was where I was when I first tried on the socks, sitting on the edge of my hand-me-down bed. I pulled a pair from the basket and slid them over my foot and up my shin. They went on sturdy, just like I'd planned. But it wasn't until they were all the way on that I realized something was not right. Instead of warmth, my foot felt cold, almost colder than it'd been without the sock on. I looked down at my feet. They were fishnet socks. I don't know why a sports brand like Adidas would make fishnet socks, but I can totally understand why they would wind up at a discount department store filled with outdated products no one wants. I looked at my feet and almost became aroused. That's how fishnet we're talking here. I looked like a flapper curled up at the edge of some dollar-an-hour bedpost. If the design of these socks was to keep an athlete's foot from overheating, I gotta think there's better technology out there besides, well, let's just put holes in it. But perhaps Adidas was trying to market the goth crowd, for all I know. The last year has been pretty strange, and maybe at one point there was a demand to make racquetball sexier that I never heard about. Regardless, it turned out I'd bought $40 worth of hooker socks. And now, I'll need to give these away to someone. But even that seems tough. I'd done the same thing earlier in the year with underwear I'd bought from the same store. There had been a few packages of black briefs that turned out to be way too small. A not-so-great feeling when trying on underwear. But black briefs are kind of like shirts or shoes. Like, hey man, these don't fit me. Do you want them? But these socks are basically lingerie for foot fetishists. Who on earth can I give these to without being turned away and judged? I sleep until 3 p.m., eat one meal a day, and carry a backpack of toilet paper to work with me. I don't have anyone in my life that wants me to buy them lingerie. But that's a whole different story no one wants to hear. Anyway, for a second, I thought maybe I could take photos of my feet in them and then sell those photos on the internet. Admittedly, I've been getting into some weird shit, and when you spend as much time alone as I do, that's where your mind goes sometimes. But I don't know anything about the internet sex industry. I can barely get these episodes online and hardly have any kind of fan base. Why would I think my new slutty-looking feet would suddenly be a hit? That's the problem with men like me. 
We think we can do anything. Take that thumbed guitar I mentioned, for example. I've been in a half a dozen bands, and even played on the same stage Prince played on in the movie Purple Rain. But despite my musical achievements, I actually have no idea how to play music. I know some basic chords and the pentatonic scale, which I believe is just a basic blues scale or something. But other than that, I've always just learned songs by either being shown what to do or by looking up the chords on ultimateguitar.com. I've also played the drums, all the while having no clue what I was doing. The keyboard. You know, those plastic pianos that can fit in a car? I've played those in bands, too. I've always played with one hand at a time, though. But not exclusively because I think it makes me look cooler to perform while holding a beer, but because I actually lack the ability to play with both hands at the same time. Which is certainly how Billy Joel does it. So that must be the way you're supposed to. I don't think you get to call yourself the piano man by faking your way through it. But that's my problem. I think just because I have the free time that that somehow makes me an artist by default. I wait tables 30 hours a week, and the rest of the time I'm basically Mozart. I can't even name a Mozart song without Googling it. When I was in my 20s, I painted. I painted acrylic on wood, because acrylic paint was the cheapest, and wood was always easy to find in alleys. You know, just how Van Gogh got started. I made five paintings the year I was 24. And I can still describe each of those paintings to you perfectly because they've been in the back seat of my car for the last year. I've avoided bringing them inside because I don't want to make my poor roommates feel obligated to hang them up. Just like these smutty socks, the paintings were hard to give away out of embarrassment. But even when I tried, no one wanted them. My paintings aren't that bad, but they're also not that great. They're abstract, which I think means you decide. But much like music, although I spent my 20s obsessing over it and constantly talking about it with friends until dawn, I have no education in art whatsoever. I'm so dumb when it comes to art that I don't really even know what the word abstract means or where it comes from. Is it Greek? It doesn't sound Greek. But then again, what word besides Yanni sounds Greek? My close friends all know too well my affinity for Yanni's music.
I like it because it's weird and different. But also because liking Yanni makes me seem weird and different. Which I can then mold into mystique and then finally hone into charm. If you've ever been curious as to what men like me are really like, that's the best explanation I can give. Everything about me is a total lie. And all it took was trying on a pair of flattering socks to figure that out. All these books and stories, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just making it up as I go. And thanks to my laptop, sharing my bullshit and labeling it as something else is really, really easy to do. Perhaps this sounds familiar to other issues. I shouldn't discredit my effort entirely, though. I have read several books on how to write and absolutely love learning new words and better ways to structure a sentence and avoid cliches. But I still can't spell the word exhaust even close enough to its actual spelling so that my computer will autocorrect it for me. Instead, each time I want to use the word exhaust, I have to look it up. You could say it's exhausting. And I still don't know the difference between whose with an apostrophe S and whose spelled W-H-O-S-E. Someone once told me, but when it's one or the other among only two options, I tend to always confuse them. I'm 38, and I still don't know my right and left without holding up my right hand and pretending to write with it in the air. I'm not kidding. It makes driving really difficult. I still have to sing the ABCs. And I've never read anything by William Shakespeare or Charles Dickens. Not that those guys are mandatory reading, but you'd think someone with an interest in literature would skim at least a page or two. But not me. But I did read a little Toni Morrison this year after coming into some unexpected time off. If you've ever wanted to think your own writing is pure shit, I suggest reading Toni Morrison. Every paragraph she creates tumbles and looks back at you like a bramble of wildflowers along a lonely dirt road. Not to compare her work to suggestive footwear, but like these fishnet stockings, it was just kind of an eye-opener into how much of what I do is pure bullshit. Toni Morrison is a writer. I'm just a guy that gets people extra ketchup when they ask for it. Admitting things is hard. 
But it's through honesty that we can glimpse our actual selves. If you're late to the game and don't already know this from listening to my other episodes like Cheese and Muffin, I'm a depressed person. And these more recent journal entry story-timed theme pieces have been my way of dealing with it. But despite who it may offend, I refuse to believe that depression is in the same category of other what I see to be more disabling ailments. I remember as a child, sitting in 10th grade algebra class, listening to a classmate of mine named Levi discuss with our teacher a ponder he was having after learning from his football coach that pain was 92% mental, and thereby the remaining 8% of physical pain was easy to overcome. Or as Levi better put it, not real. I wasn't on the football team in 10th grade, or ever for that matter. I was too slow and fat and dumb to play sports. But I remember being struck by what my chiseled classmate was saying, as if everything in the human mind was frivolous and weak, that the body was tough, and the only thing holding it back from its full capabilities was the faulty nerves of the mind and senses. Perhaps that's where we arrived at insulting words like nervous and sensitive. That's probably something a psychiatrist could tell you, although I've never talked to one despite so many friends suggesting I should. But even though I've been really fucking depressed lately, I've been trying to overcome it in my own way and be better about my riding habits. And so, of course, they've gotten much worse now to the point where I don't write at all. I could lie and say I took up writing as a way to express my imagination and bring characters to life. But honestly, I just started writing to prove to some girl that I wasn't as dumb as she thought I was. We lost touch almost 15 years ago, and by the time I'd completed my first short story, Lormer, she'd moved away. But the grudge has always remained inside me. When her and I were close, I laughed a lot more in those days and was socially driven enough to have my own apartment and a wide range of friends that hung around regularly and invited me to all sorts of events. Looking back, I was pretty happy. But then something changed. I was out for drinks with her and a guy we both knew came over and sat down at our table to say hi. The three of us had at one time been co-workers, so we were doing the normal catch-up, but then it shifted to his recent pursuits in theater. He'd gone to college for something art-related, and so had she. 
Their conversation took off pretty quickly as they commiserated over the script and blocking of the play he was currently in. Then they talked about the characters and the famous guy who'd written the thing. Then they talked about his other works and compared them to the contemporary pieces they'd also both read. I remember looking at the shiny varnish on the table and then out the window at the glowy streetlights and passing cars. I had nothing to add to the conversation because I had no idea what they were talking about. I'd been in plays in high school, but I'd only ever memorized my own lines and hadn't ever bothered to dissect an entire piece's plot for a meaning. I was a dumb kid. And now, a few years later, after dropping out of community college for the third time, I was a dumb young adult. But I had nice hair and pretty eyes. So here I was on a date with a beautiful, intellectual woman, listening to her have a discussion with someone as smart and creative as she was. Sadly, that was the moment I decided to become a writer. That was the instance in my life that made me want to be an artist. It was purely out of jealousy. I suppose a lot of people could make fun of their 20-something selves when looking back. But can you precisely pinpoint the moment you became aware of how dumb you are? I don't mean the moment you realized it. That's different. We realize things all the time. I mean the helpless awareness of being trapped in your skull, looking out through your beady eyes at a situation too intelligent for you to be a part of. Anyhow, their conversation lasted way longer than I was hoping, and two beers later, it was still going. I felt so small the whole time. I remember smiling and nodding every few minutes, but I'd become as hollow as the tiny bubbles quivering in my glass. I knew then exactly what I was. I was a phony. I couldn't fix this with a haircut or new pants, things I'd come to rely on to fix most of my problems. And worst of all was that I couldn't drink it away either, like I'd started doing with all my other issues. Three beers later, the guy finally got up and left, but not before inviting us to his play, his yoga class, his botanical group, and his book club. I'd ordered several shots on my own throughout their debate on Tennessee Williams and was a bit drunk by then, but I could still tell that he was mainly inviting her and only inviting us both out of politeness. I remember the rest of that evening being rather quiet as we had dinner. 
Likely I was pouting, and she was just putting up with it. I don't remember if we made love that night. But I do remember lying on her mattress and staring up at the ceiling as she slept beside me. The night through the window made her bedroom glow purple. I remember feeling just like I had hours before when he'd begun his recap of rehearsal. It was a horrific feeling. Lifting my arms to examine my own hands in the pale, dusty light from her clock radio, I was me. And nothing I could do would ever change that. I would never be smart or creative. And even if I tried, it would be a total lie because everything would just be done in an attempt to feel admired. But now that I've arrived at that conclusion yet again, I guess I was just wondering if anyone wants these socks. Let me know. Thanks. That concludes this episode. For more information, go to skyoddsley.com. That's www.skyaudsley.com. <laughs>